Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, glad you're here. Glad that you're watching online. Um, glad that you can be with us and, and uh, just praying that God would speak today. Before I jump in the message, I want to just kind of tease something that's going to happen in September. In September, we're going to do an extended series. Uh, I think it's uh, 13 weeks. Uh, a study called Experiencing God. Um, it's, a, it's a tremendous study about seeing God work in your life. And um, I just want to tease that right now to say this. Hear me, you need to be in a life group to do Experiencing God. You can do it by yourself. We'll have a workbook and you can, you can do that on your own. But it's so important for you to be connected with other people when we do that. Um, experiencing God is all about seeing God work in your life. Um, not in uh, an emotional, crying TV preacher kind of way. All right? But just seeing that, that God is working in your life on all kinds of levels. And so hopefully you'll be a part of that. We'll talk more about that in the next few weeks. When I was 13 or 14, I met a girl in junior high that ultimately became a, a really good friend of mine in high school. I remember in eighth grade doing a project with this particular girl. Um, and I remember that project for two reasons. One, the girl was really, really pretty. Um, she was way out of my league. Um, and I remember that as we were assigned this in, in our eighth grade social studies class, she said to me, you know, if you would write up this report, it would mean so much to me. <laughs> and I did. Um, uh, we ended up singing together in choir all the way through junior high and high school. We went to the Fred Waring Music Workshop in Delaware Water Gap, Pennsylvania for three summers during high school. She became a really good friend. Um, somewhere in those years of junior high or high school, I began to pray for her and began to pray that God would create an opportunity for me to talk to her about Jesus. She came from a home that didn't go to church. She believed in God in general, but she didn't have any kind of personal faith. We had, um, we had a lot of conversations through high school uh, about spiritual things, but nothing, nothing ever really took. And, and I just kept praying, God, would you be with her and, and maybe make some of this make sense at some point in time? We graduated from high school. Um, four years later, after we had graduated from college, Deb and I went to, to her wedding. Um, she got married, moved to Dallas, and, and I don't know, I've seen her, I think, one time um, since, we, since that point in time, a lot of years ago. Here's a question for you. What do you do when you pray for an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody and it doesn't seem like anything happens? You pray and you pray and there's just kind of silence. You take some steps, maybe you, you try and initiate a conversation, but it just doesn't work. Um, that's, that's a little bit of where we're gonna go in today's um, passage of scripture. The, this next section of Paul's letter to the, to the Colossians that we're gonna take a look at, I think is really, really interesting. He's getting down to the end of the letter, and, and so there's some stuff that he wants to communicate at the very end. He's, uh, you know, when you write a letter, you, you, when you have a conversation, you talk about the most important things first, right? You, you say, oh, this is critical, gotta get to this stuff. So in the first two chapters of Colossians, Paul talks about the, the preeminence of Christ, how important Jesus is, that Jesus is in everything, everything depends on him, that Jesus lives in us, the hope of glory. And then in chapter three, he begins to say, okay, if that's true, what's that look like? 
Uh, there's stuff that you gotta get rid of, sexual sin, relational sin that you gotta get rid of, clothes that you have to throw away. And then there's new clothes that you need to put on as well. Kindness, compassion, patience, humility, forgiveness, bearing with each other, love. You put, you put on all those things instead. Um, and, and then he talked about uh, how important it was to have God's word living in us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, and, and then last week we talked about, okay, when that happens, how does that impact the relationships that we have, very personal relationships, um, uh, wives and husbands, parents and kids, employers and employees? What's that look like? So now we're, we're down really to, the, to almost the very end of this letter that Paul writes to this little um, nobody church in Colossae. Um, but some really important truths. Um, he's zeroing in on the things that are most important. Um, he says this in Colossians chapter four, um, verse two, before I get there, let me, let me just say this. As I was studying, it's kind of interesting because these four verses, uh, chapter four, verses two through six is where we're gonna go. Um, some scholars, some preachers believe that this is all about prayer, that these four verses are all about prayer. Other scholars, preachers believe that it's all about evangelism. It's all about sharing your faith with other people. I've kind of landed to, in a place to say, I think it's about all of that together. Uh, you know, that Paul's, Paul's just kind of communicating these important truths. And he says, this is what you need to know. This is where you're gonna go. This is what he says in verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul begins this, these verses with these words. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. That, that, um, that communicates this, this importance, this focus that happens when we pray. Um, if, if you wanna stay connected to Jesus, if you want Satan to have less influence in your life, be devoted to prayer, watchful and thankful. Um, it's not my custom to use acronyms. Like when I preach, I don't you know, give you the three points with the, everything alliterated or an acronym, that kind of thing. But I got one for you today, okay? Um, and, and it's this to help you just really have in focus how to get Satan to run away, to, to, to leave your life, to scat from, from the presence of your life, okay? Paul says, be devoted, be devoted to prayer, um, uh, being watchful, uh, uh, being watchful and thankful. And I think this acronym works. Pray specifically, pray consistently, pray alertly, and pray thankfully. Scat, you see that? Specifically, consistently, alertly, thankfully. It's really easy for us when we pray to pray very general prayers, isn't it? Oh, Lord, please be with all the missionaries in the world. Help them to do your will in an incredible way. It's easy to pray general. It's, um, it's so much more important to pray very specifically. God, would you be with Tim and Courtney Chanter in Papua New Guinea? Would you continue, God, to heal Tim's brain from his brain injury? 
God, would you be with the elders at the church in the Yembe Yembe um, village? Would you pray that they would be strong? God, would you help them be strong? Would you help them help the gospel to go forward in that community and then the communities around that? To pray specifically, that's what we're called to do. Um, it's completely different to pray generally and to say, God, would you just bless everybody than it is to pray, God, there's this guy at work that's a real jerk. He took, he took my idea and took credit for it and I need you to help me forgive him. I need you to forgive him. God, I, I need, that's a specific kind of prayer. It's easy to pray for people in general, but God calls us to pray specifically for people. God, you know, you know that family that I love, that their mom or their dad or their child or their friend just passed away. Would you comfort them? Um, God, would you step in and meet their needs in very specific ways. It's, it's easy to pray for all of the marriages in the church, but we're called to pray specifically for people when God brings them to your mind, to pray, God, would you, would you bring strength to their marriage, to that particular couple? Would you help them to grow together? Would you mend that, that broken relationship that they have? Pray specifically is Paul's charge. Pray consistently as well, not just one time, even though God hears when we only pray one time, right? It's not like we wear him down and that the more times we say it, the more likely God is to do that. We pray consistently for us more than for God because it helps us keep at the front of our minds, God, you're the one who makes the difference in this. You're the only one who can bring answers. And when we pray consistently, it helps us. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, it's very easy for me to pray one time and then to take control, right? Oh, God, would you do this? Now I'm gonna jump in and do everything that's necessary to get it fixed rather than to wait on him, to continue to pray. Um, we need to pray consistently. Um, how, how do you pray consistently? What's that look like? Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Um, the, the best picture of that I can say is just as you breathe, pray. That, that you're always aware of God's presence in your life and that you're continually talking to him no matter what's going on. That you're talking, to, as you drive, you're talking to God. As you're exercising, you're talking to God. As you're taking a shower, you're talking to God. Um, but when you're in crisis, you're talking to God. When you're experiencing joyful stuff, you're talking to God. That's that consistent type of prayer life. Um, it's important to do that on a regular basis, to, to, to let your day just be filled with conversation that goes back and forth between you and God. But sometimes it's helpful too in, in the, the um, need to have consistent prayer is to have a specific place that you can go to. Um, we talk about a prayer closet sometimes. So, some people talk about their war room where they, where they um, come and talk to God. To have a specific place, a specific chair, a specific window you look out that you can say, you know what, that's the place that I go to have this time with God where everything else goes away. Um, I, I love Susanna Wesley, Charles, uh, John Wesley's mom who had a whole bunch of kids. Um, the story is told about her when, when her, she was raising her kids. She would have an hour of prayer with God every day. And the way that she would do it with all these kids running around is that she would take her apron and throw it over her head. Um, and that sign, that the apron over her head said, don't bother me kids, because I'm talking to God. 
pray consistently, specifically, consistently. Um, uh, last, last, prayer is so important. Last Wednesday night, um, I, I received an, uh, an email from a guy here at North Point who told me that he wasn't gonna be at church here today because his 19-year-old daughter is gonna be baptized in another church and their whole family was going for her baptism, which is really cool. His, he finished his, his email with, with these words, have a great day. I pray every day for North Point. He's been a part of our prayer team in the past. And, and he said, I can't wait to be back together praying again. I like praying during first service. Uh, typically, he would pray during first service and then come to the second service. Thursday morning, I received an, an email. So that was Wednesday night, which was really cool. I like those kinds of emails. Praying for North Point. I appreciate that so much. Thursday morning, I received an email from another member of North Point that said this. Thank you and our elders and leaders for your diligence and stewardship. I've prayerfully sent a donation as requested. I'm in frequent prayer for the staff and leadership at North Point Church, even though I only attend online at this time. I miss being there in person. I appreciate you all so much more than you know for your, steadfast, for your steadiness of faith through these difficult challenges. I pray mostly for unity since we have been torn apart by worldly influences. We must seek the face of God, the Savior and, and King, and not the wisdom of man to help us through these dark times. I continue to seek the face of God, the wisdom in his living word, and draw upon the rich gifts of our King Jesus. May Jesus the King bless you all abundantly as you all hold fast to your faith in him and his word. I pray that those who are part of our church are led to truth and are given true discernment in the Holy Spirit. I pray that, the, that people may follow Jesus first and test the spirits of man. May we all once again be united in the love of Jesus and the fellowship of his true love. You can send me that kind of email anytime you want. Um, you know, that's, that's oftentimes not the kind of email I get. That, that just, you have a sense of who God is and what the body can do. I don't, I don't know if you heard that in that email, but there are people who are praying for you this morning, praying for you as a part of the body of Christ. You're, you're, you don't have to do it alone. We need to pray, to pray specifically, to pray consistently, to pray alertly. It's interesting to me when, when, um, when uh, in the New International Version it says, uh, watchfully, that's the same word that Jesus said to, to Peter, James, and John when he said, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as, as he's just hours away from being betrayed, when he goes in to pray and to ask Jesus to, take, uh, to, to create a different kind of path for him than to go to the cross, um, Jesus says to them, watch and pray, watch and pray. That's the exact same Greek word that Paul uses here when he tells us to pray watchfully. We need to, we need to have this alertness about our prayer, our, our, our time in prayer that um, allows us to not get sidetracked. Um, I, I won't even ask you to raise your hands. How many of you have fallen asleep while you prayed? <laughs> it, 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 it's easy to do, right? And it doesn't matter, you know, if you're kneeling at your bed, you fall asleep um, on your hands and you end up with a red spot in your forehead, right? Um, if, you, if you're praying at the end of the day uh, and you're talking to God and all of a sudden it's morning and you think, wow, did I ever even finish that prayer? We need to pray alertly. We need to have this sense of awareness of what's at stake when we pray. That it's not just 
thank you, God, for all the good stuff that I have. Um, it's, it's not just, God, there's this issue that I, that I wanna bring before you, but there, there is this sense of what's at stake when we pray is eternal. There is this spiritual battle that's going on. And so when we're talking to God, we're aware of the stakes that's happening. Um, one of my fears uh, as a pastor has been to fall asleep during uh, a prayer time with the elders or um, in the staff when we pray together. Um, there have been some times that I thought, oh, 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 oh. Um, you know, it's not a good example uh, to, to do that. We need to pray with this watchfulness, with this alertness. Um, How can you stay alert while you pray? Uh, let, me, let me give you some suggestions. Write out your prayers. It's, it's one of the best things that you can do because if you're writing your prayers, if, as you're talking to God and you're writing them out, you're not gonna fall asleep. You're gonna stay focused as you write. Um, it may be that, that as you pray to, to be watchful, that you pray out loud, that you do that either in your home or outside or in your car, probably not best if someone else is in the car, but you could still do that, okay? Pray out loud. Um, it may be that you can walk around as you pray to just have your body physically involved so that you can be watchful as you pray. And, and maybe the thing that you need to do is to use a tool, to use a journal, to write down the things that you're talking to God about and how he answers those prayers. Pray specifically, consistently, alertly, and thankfully. We have so much to be thankful for. Um, as I was looking at this passage this week and this particular thought, I just thought, man, we live in probably the, the most affluent country in the world. Um, we, we don't worry about where our next meal is coming from. We don't worry about whether we're gonna have clothes. We don't worry about where we're gonna sleep tonight. God has provided for us in incredible ways and we have so much to be thankful for. Even in the worst things that are going on, even, even when you're in crisis, in, in relationships, even when you're grieving, we have so much to be thankful for because God is with us. He sent his spirit to live within us. Um, but it's a lot easier for us to complain, isn't it? To say, oh, it's summertime, it's so hot outside, I can't wait till it gets cold and then it hits wintertime and we say, oh, it's so cold outside, I can't wait for it to get warm. Um, it's so easy for us to complain about our work or complain about our family or complain about our home or complain about our vehicle or whatever it is. God has blessed us with so much and it, it um, our perspective on life changes when we pray thankfully. We've talked before about having a, a Thanksgiving journal, about writing down the things that we're thankful for. I, I would encourage you again to do that. Um, know that no matter what's going on, no matter how bad it is, that God has promised that in all things, God's work going to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God is working even in the crisis and we can thank him for that. Um, if, you want, if you want Satan to scat, pray specifically, pray consistently, pray alertly, pray with thanksgiving. Um, and Paul says, 
pray for, pray for your stuff, but pray for me too. It's interesting, verse three, Paul says this. Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may, we may proclaim the message of Christ for which I'm in chains. Um, what did Paul ask the Colossians to pray for him about? Opportunities. Opportunities to talk about Jesus. He says, um, you know, I'm in chains. Uh, but just a little historical context. If you, if you want to do some reading this afternoon, go to about uh, Acts chapter 22, read through about Acts chapter 26, and you learn the story of Paul that he ends up in Rome in prison um, unjustly, but because he appealed to Caesar um, even though he was innocent, he had made this appeal to Caesar, so he ends up going to Rome. And it's there that he writes this letter, and, and he's in chains. He's uh, under house arrest, but he's probably chained, maybe chained to the guards that came in each day. And Paul prays for opportunities to talk about Jesus. If you were in prison, if I were in prison, what would you pray for? To get out of prison, right? It's like we'd, we'd say, God, we, I, you know, I would say, church, pray for me that I can be released from this. That's not what Paul prays for. Paul prays for opportunities to talk about Jesus. When you're in the hospital and you're praying for healing, praying that you can go home, maybe the thing that you need to pray for is opportunities for, to talk about Jesus while you're in the hospital. When you're on, on a trip, when you're visiting your family, pray for opportunities to talk about Jesus. Pray that God might show those to you and that you might recognize them. I, I love it that Paul says that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Um, even though Paul's in prison, he hasn't lost sight of the mystery of Christ. Uh, I, I was thinking about this this week and thinking, um, it's easy for us in the US, it's easy for us, if you've been a part of the church for a long time, to say, yeah, Jesus came from heaven, he came to earth, he lived on earth, he taught for three years, he went to the cross, he died, he was resurrected. Yeah, I, I know all that. Grasp the mystery of that truth. The, the phenomenal idea that God that God would leave heaven and come and live among all the, all the nonsense that's here on earth. And that he would do that for us. And that he would go to the cross for us. That he would take our sin on himself. That he would willingly do that. And that God would breathe life back into him after he had died this horrible death so that we wouldn't be bound by sin and death. The mystery of Christ, that's a crazy thing to wrap your brain around. Don't just say, oh yeah, I know that. Contemplate that, think about that. Um, it is something incredible, something hard to imagine, something hard to wrap our brains around. Um, you know, Paul, Paul was a murderer. He had been so committed to, um, to, uh, to preserving the Jewish lifestyle that when these followers of Jesus began to grow, he thought, I've got to wipe this out. And Paul began to murder followers of Jesus in the name of preserving um, the Jewish faith. Paul was a murderer and Jesus appeared to him and, and, and forgave him. Um, 
Paul began to grasp that Jesus had come to die for him. I don't, I don't know where you are this morning, but my guess is there's a whole lot of folks in here that think, Rick, if you knew what I've done, that sounds good, I just don't think that it's real for me. If God could forgive Paul, he can forgive you. No matter what your situation is, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad your story is, God loves you and he wants you to experience forgiveness and life, eternal life, but life here on earth as well. Yeah, um, it's a mystery. You're not too far gone. So pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities at the gym. Pray for opportunities at the, in the stands at a soccer game. Pray for opportunities at work. Pray for opportunities with your neighbors, with your family members. Pray for opportunities with that server at the restaurant that you go to. Pray for opportunities with your college buddies. Pray for opportunities when you're watching football. Pray that God would open up opportunities for you to talk about what he's doing in your life. Verse four, pray that I'm a, pray, Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Pray for clarity when you speak. Um, I, I have a number of people in my life who say to me fairly often, just get to the point. Just say it clear. Just tell me what you're gonna tell me, what you're trying to tell me, right? Paul says, pray that I may, that I may proclaim Proclaim truth clearly, with clarity. Um, you know, it's, it's funny when you think about we're praying for the opportunities that we have. Um, I am happy to talk with you about, uh, about biblical hermeneutics, about soteriology, about eschatology, about Calvinism, about Arminianism, about the nuances of the use of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of heaven in scripture, about why Jesus was called son of God and son of man. I'm, I'm happy to talk about all of that stuff with you, but that's not gonna be very clear with somebody who's far from Jesus. What they wanna know is, is there hope? Is there something more than this life? What they wanna know is, can I really have the right kind of a relationship with God by being a good person or not? Um, we need to have the right kind of conversations with the right people at the right time to recognize those opportunities and to speak clearly. Um, clarity, simple truth, speak to people's hearts. Verse five says this, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Um, that, that word outsiders is, is a kind of an interesting word in the original language. It actually means those without or those who are out of doors. So you've got people who are in the house and you've got people who are outside of the house. And, and Paul says, pray, pray for those, uh, pray about the way that you act towards outside, outsiders. Be wise in those things and make the most of every opportunity. Um, Recognize there are people who don't know Jesus. They have a different mindset, a different worldview. And, um, and, and we need to be wise as we interact with them. We, not, we need to not assume that they're on the same page as us. We need to hear where they are and to talk to them at the place that they are. What does wisdom with non-believers look like? I, I actually think the most critical aspect about wisdom in speaking with, with uh, outsiders, with people who don't know Jesus, is our character and our integrity, living consistently as followers of Jesus as best we can. 
When we say one thing and do something else, that, that, uh, that's uh, not wise. It, it creates this disconnect for them. Um, I think when we, when we ask for wisdom as we, act with, uh, as we interact with outsiders, there's, a, there's implicit in that, there's an um, authenticity, a vulnerability that we need to have. We need to tell our story, how Jesus has worked in our life, what he is teaching us right now, not just what he's done in the past, but what he's doing in us right now. When we pray for wisdom, I think it opens up our minds our, uh, to think about things in ways that we never have before. Do, do, you, do, you, uh, do you understand, do you realize that everyone worships something? Everyone worships something. They may not worship God, but they worship something. They, there is something in their life that they will give their life for. It may be themselves. It may be their job. It may be um, financial freedom. It may, you know, who knows what, it may be their kids. Everyone worships something. And when we understand that, it, be, it begins to give us an opportunity to have conversation with them that's a wise kind of conversation that understands where they're coming from. Make the most of every opportunity, Paul says. Um, I, I'm convinced that when we pray for opportunities to talk about Jesus, God's gonna give those to us. We just need to recognize them. Because sometimes God provides the opportunity and we walk right by and, and think, oh, that's, that's, that's not really God. And it is. We need to make the most of every opportunity. Um, verse six says this. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Our conversations with outsiders needs to be full of grace, full of kindness, full of sensitivity, full of compassion, full of awareness of where they are. And we need to tell our story. Part of why I'm so jazzed about the Experiencing God study that's gonna come in September is because it helps us see how God is working in our lives. And it just makes it easy to talk about because we see that. It's easy for Satan to blind us to how God is working in our lives. And it gives us an opportunity to do that. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. The conversation that you have with people who don't know Jesus, there's, there, there needs to be something that, that, asks, that, that has them asking for more. A little bit of salt says, oh man, I, I need some more of that. I, I need some more of that. Too often we try and, and come with this pat answer, that this set of stuff that answers every question um, forever, and then we think, oh, I don't have all those answers, so I can't have that conversation. We just need to trust God in the process, start the conversation, um, and, and be full of grace. We can't belittle people that don't think like we do. We have to honor them. If your story, how Jesus has worked in your life, be is personal, be vulnerable. Tell that story. If it's logical, if, if the story of how God has worked in your life is a very logical process, don't be afraid to share that. And, and, and to share that you saw God working in all these ways as the logical pieces came together. Um, with the advent of Facebook, that friend I mentioned at the beginning of the message, um, and I reconnected through Facebook a whole bunch of years later. Um, you know what I found out in watching her posts on Facebook? Um, she and I are about as opposite politically 
um, as you can get. And, and she's not one to mince words about what she thinks about things. Um, I would read her stuff and think, how can she think that? We, we grew up, how can she think that? Um, I, I never engaged in those conversations online with her because I thought, I, I'm a firm believer that you don't convince anybody of anything on Facebook. People just kind of spout their information and um, you can't really have a conversation there. Um, following the Supreme Court's decision on Roe v. Wade at the end of June, um, Mark came to me and said, we really need to do a podcast about, about the Supreme Court's decision. So many pieces, so many people are trying to figure out how to, how to talk about that with their friends, that kind of thing. And so, um, and so we did this podcast. Following the podcast, I had a conversation with somebody who's a part of North Point, a good friend, um, that said, man, you made me think about a whole lot of stuff in that podcast. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't in the podcast want to just come very authoritative and say, oh, this is what you should think. I, I think that there are a whole lot of questions that, are, that um, are raised that we need to think about. So watch the podcast, all right? Um, the, um, anyway, a friend came and said, you made me think about some things. I don't necessarily agree with you, and I think there are some things that you didn't think about. We got, a, we got an email as well that from, from somebody who's part of the church that said, man, I'm just so conflicted because I know what God thinks, but I think that there's some pieces in there uh, as a society that maybe we should have some flexibility on. How, how do we process that? And so Mark and I said, um, you know, we need to do a follow-up to the abortion podcast and to, and to do a second level. And in the midst of that, I thought, I, I wanna reach out to my friend who is way on the other side of where I am because I don't wanna have a straw man and, um, and just knock that down. I, I really care about what she thinks. And so we began to have a dialogue that's lasted now probably four weeks about all kinds of stuff. Um, and in it, I've tried, I've tried to be wise. I've tried to listen and hear what she, um, why she thinks what she thinks. One of the things that I learned was um, that she was adopted. And, um, and so she, she just real openly, as, as we're communicating, said, man, I feel the tension about, about, uh, about abortion because I am adamant in terms of the woman's right to choose. Um, but I recognize that my birth mom and dad were 17 and 16, um, in 1959, and that if abortion had been legal, I probably wouldn't be here. You know, my, my grandkids, that, none of that. She said, there, there's a real tension for me in that. So we, we talked about that, talked about all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and a number of the things that she shared with me worked into that second podcast. Um, I, I share that to just simply share this. This is the end of her most recent email to me. She said, and again, I think when we ask questions with humility and have conversation where we're not trying to beat people up, but just trying to understand and where, where we then have the right to, to say, this is what I think, how's, how's all this fit together? This is what she said. I find the faith you have fascinating. And you're one of the few Christians, she put that in quote, you were one of the few Christians I know who actually seems to follow the teachings of Jesus the tenets of service, love for others, and caring for those who disagree with you. You don't judge. 
I consider you to be pure at heart and idealistic, two characteristics I value deeply. We don't agree on much, but I believe in you. Um, that, from my perspective, I couldn't get any more from that because I believe that those prayers 50 years ago in junior high and high school, God's not done with her yet. And I don't want to get in the way. I want to be a vehicle to help that happen. I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. My encouragement to you as we look at these four verses from Colossians chapter four is that we pray specifically, that we pray consistently, that we pray alertly, that we pray thankfully, that we pray for opportunities and that we recognize those opportunities, that, that we make the most of every opportunity that God gives us so that the kingdom can go forward and that God might use us to touch other people. In, um, in, um, in May, I did, uh, we did a, um, I did a message that came really from the same passage as well. And let me just come back and, and reinforce this. Pray, pray, pray. Invest in people, love on them, and invite them to come to know Jesus. And jump into that conversation with them. Let me pray and, uh, and, and we'll sing. Father God, um, I thank you for your word, for the power of your word. God, I thank you for the ways that you're working that we can't see. Um, I thank you for my friend and God, uh, collectively right now, we pray that she might come to know you. Lord, um, my desire is that she would be with me in eternity around your throne. Um, God, there are so many people that we know in our lives that that's the, that same story. God, use us. Help us to see the opportunities. Give us the right words. God, give us compassion, hearts of compassion. Um, give us sensitivity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.